Hey, this is Rich Wilkerson. I'm the pastor of Voo Church in Miami, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I wanna welcome all of our VU friends and family. Those of you that join us every week uh, by YouTube or the podcast, VU Church is a community locally here in Miami, but yo, it's a big extended family and we're so very, very grateful for all of you. Could we make a little bit of noise? Come on, get some fist bumps, put some 100s up in the corner there in the chat rooms. We love you, VU friends and family. Uh, today, we are uh, honestly still in our collection of talks to Helen back. And we're looking at the days that Jesus experienced leading to the cross. In today's Palm Sunday, it's kind of funny because weeks ago, I preached a message entitled, Your Burden is Your Blessing. And in that message, I really preached the Palm Sunday account. It's known as the triumphal entry. But you've already heard that message. And so today, really where we're at is we're studying Thursday and Friday, really Friday, the day that Jesus goes to the cross. Next week will be Easter. We'll be celebrating Easter Sunday. I want you to encourage you to get your friends, join us by way of podcast, YouTube, live streaming, church online. We think it'll make all the difference. John chapter 13, verse one is where I want you to turn really quick with me. John chapter 13, verse one. I'm supposed to be preaching about Good Friday and I'm gonna end there. But last week when I was preaching uh, in the message about the gratitude effect, I was studying the Passover and something stuck out to me that I just felt like even in this week, once again, I needed to lean into because something else happened to that Passover meal. He didn't just have the last supper and communion that we know today, but also Jesus demonstrated his love by doing a visual, it was really a visual aid of a demonstration of his love. I wanna, I wanna show you this account in John chapter 13. John 13, verse one, it says, it was just before the Passover feast Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. I love that phrase. If you've got a Bible open, if you've got your version, can you highlight that little phrase, the full extent of his love? The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you is. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. What a powerful portion of scripture. This is Thursday, Jesus is leading to the cross, to hell and back. Jesus literally faced death, hell, and the grave. He conquered it so we could have life and life more abundantly. But what can we learn from his life, the days leading up to his greatest challenge? Today, I wanna to preach to you from the subject, what 
are you washing? What are you washing? Have you ever felt um, misinterpreted before? Have you ever felt like you were having a hard time getting your point across? You know, I get the privilege of not just preaching here locally in Miami, but God has really given us an opportunity to take the gospel all over the world. One of my favorite places in the world to preach is the great nation of Brazil. Shout out to all my Brazilian friends if you're watching. Can you just start? I just need to see Brazilian flags go up and down in the chat rooms right now. I love you, Ichiamo. You're my people. I think I'm gonna retire in Brazil. Rio, Sao Paulo, Fortaleza, Recife. I don't know how to say all of them right, but, but I love it. I love the sound of Portuguese. It's just, whew, I love it. But I remember some years ago, I was preaching at a conference and it was funny because I was preaching at this conference and truly like I was preaching about the love of God. And I, I honestly feel like I was saying something like, God loves you. But the man who was interpreting for me, I don't know what he was saying. I'm not gonna impersonate it because I would probably, you know, be offensive towards the beautiful language known as Portuguese, but it was, yeah, I, I, that, it was that tone. It was that level. And I literally remember stopping the dude off the microphone saying, yo, bro, I don't know if you're saying what I'm saying, but from the sound of it, it doesn't sound at all the way I'm saying it. And I remember I was laughing because I was having such a challenge of going, is he actually preaching my words or is he preaching his words? And while I laugh about that scenario, how many of you know, God probably feels that way often about you and me, definitely about me. I can just see God up in heaven going, Rich, what are you saying? That's not how I said it. That's not the way I said it. Just say it how I said it. See, Jesus was the master communicator. And as you study his life, what you'll see is that he was constantly trying to get his point across. He was constantly trying to share his point of view. And he chose all sorts of different techniques in how he preached. Um, he didn't just preach just dogmatic principles, but rather he would share parables. He would share modern day stories. And many times he would even give illustrations where he would visually show his love. And in John chapter 13, Jesus is giving one of his last lessons that he ever gave his disciples. It's the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And I find it so amazing because once again, I know I'm supposed to preach about Friday and I'm coming to Friday for all of you that are really into our collections, but I couldn't leave Thursday because at the Passover meal, he teaches us the principle of gratitude of not just getting physical freedom, but better than that, getting a spiritual freedom. But now he's showing his last lesson to the disciples and he's teaching them the principle of serving. That Jesus, to make sure that it was crystal clear, didn't just give us words, but rather he gave us a visual demonstration. He gets down on his knees and he gets as low as the disciples are and he begins to wash their feet. This is what Jesus does to get his point across. And ultimately, the message that Jesus wants to show is that love serves. Everyone say love. Everyone say serves. Love serves. John chapter 13, this is Thursday night. He's at the Passover meal. He's received communion or the last supper. And now the scripture says that Jesus, he wants to show them the full extent of his love. Whew. 
I could preach that and I could preach that and I could preach that. One translation says he kept loving them right until the very end. See, this is who our God is. That constantly God, no matter what scenario you find yourself in, he wants you to see the full extent of his love. Right now, maybe you've been quarantined or maybe right now you're in a predicament where you're facing challenges that you've had job loss or you've lost work or income. Maybe you've had people that have been impacted by this virus. But I wanted to let you know, in your hardest moment, God wants to continue to show you the full extent of his love. And what I've learned about true love is that true love never quits pursuing. Jesus is about to die. But even though he's about to die, he's hours away from dying, he still wants to show the full extent of his love. Why? Because true love never quits pursuing. It pursues right until the very end. You know, my wife, Don Cherie and I, we've been married, shout out to Don Cherie, uh, for 13 years. And what you have to understand is that just because I got my wife to agree to marry me, and just because I got her, doesn't mean that I've stopped pursuing her. Why? Because it's the pursuing that creates the passion. See, we all know this when we first fall in love. Right now, my good friend Oliver is behind the camera and he's using the camera. My other friend Greg is behind the camera. Both of these guys are in young love. They're just right now first falling in love with some girls. And it's a fun time because you're getting to know each other. Greg, nod your head. You know I'm preaching to you. Oliver, nod your head. You're back there. You're falling in love. It's exciting because you're getting to know that person. And as you get to know that person, the pursuing creates even more passion. And one of the greatest mistakes we make is that we fall in love with somebody and then we quit pursuing that person. When you quit pursuing them, the passion begins to stop. The passion becomes stifled. I wanna to preach to all the men of God out there. Just because she said, I do, doesn't give you the right to quit pursuing her. She's different. She's changing. Woman of God, that man you're married to, he's evolving. He's not the same young boy that you fell in love with. He's maturing. He's getting better. He's becoming. Keep pursuing that person because pursuing creates passion. But this is what I love about our God. You should be encouraged today that God's love never quits pursuing you. God loves, therefore God pursues. God can't stop loving, therefore God can't stop pursuing you. You should know today that just because God got you doesn't mean that he's quit pursuing you. His mercies are new every morning. His grace is inexhaustible. Every day you wake up, he wants to show you something new about who he is. He keeps chasing after you. He keeps running after you. And Jesus is saying, up until the point of my death, I want you to continue to see the full extent of my love. And how does Jesus show the full extent of his love? He does something radical. He decides to wash his disciples' feet. Now, this is kind of a different thought for us because we don't do this really in our modern day world, but in this time period, in you know, 2000 years ago, people walked everywhere and they had sandals. They didn't have Air Force Ones. They had, they had sandals and their feet would get filthy. And so it was customary that when you'd walk into a home that a servant would come and wash your feet as you prepared to eat a meal. But on this day, Jesus, before he's about to go to the cross, he decides that he's gonna get down on his hands and knees and wash the disciples' feet. Just, just look at this for a moment. This is the pursuit of his love. This is his act of service for you that he gets down. Look at the position. He has to get low. In fact, he gets beneath them. 
and he gets down and he takes their dirty feet and he begins to wash their feet. You know, when I read this story, I just think very, very practically because like, I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, I hate feet. I can't stand feet. I don't like my own feet. You ever been at a party before and like, maybe it's kind of a house party, everyone's chilling and people take their shoes off and then somewhere you're like, what? Yo, is that feet I smell? If I smell feet, bro, I don't like, there's, I have this reflex. I don't know what it is. It's like, some, I, can't, I can't keep it down. I can't stand feet. It's just, I don't like my own feet. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I don't like my feet. But here's Jesus, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He gets so low that he takes these dirty fishermen, these dirty tax collectors, these dirty farmers, the disciples, and he washes their feet. Why is he doing it? He's doing it because he's pursuing them even in his last hours. I love the story because um, literally as you read it, Peter, he's like, no, 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 no. Jesus, um, you can't wash my feet. I should be washing your feet. Don't you love ambitious Christians? I love people like this that like, like it's like, this is Jesus. This is Peter. He's always putting his foot in his mouth. It's like, there's one time that uh, Peter put his foot in his mouth so bad that Jesus looked at Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now that's a bad day. The day that Jesus calls you the devil, that's a bad day. Okay, that's a challenging day. That's what he said to Peter. Peter is that guy who always speaks before he thinks. You ever met people in church? It's like they say amen at all the wrong parts. Someone's preaching real hard. You're going to hell, amen. No, that's not a good place to say amen. Don't say amen right there. Just hold your horses, slow your roll. Don't, don't speak right now. Peter's that guy, he's like, I should be washing you, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, 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 Peter. This is very, very critical. He goes, Peter, you can't wash me because uh, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. I gotta wash you first. And this is where people get so confused because what Jesus is trying to show them is that he's trying to show them, hey, I have to serve you before you can serve me. This is where people get lost with Christianity. That before you could ever serve Jesus, you have to allow Jesus to serve you. Before you can do something good for Jesus, you have to receive what he's already done for you. The gospel has to be received. It cannot be achieved. And Jesus says, Peter, you got it wrong. You got it absolutely wrong. I must serve you first. I must wash your feet before you can do any good deed in my name, before you can do good works. I must clean you. And you gotta love Peter. Here he is talking again. Okay, well, Jesus, don't just wash my feet. Wash my whole body then. That's what Peter says, just wash my whole body. He went from being ambitious about, you know, what he needed to do. Now he's being ambitious about what Jesus needs to do. And Jesus says, no, Peter, you don't understand. I'm not washing your feet out of hygiene. I'm washing your feet as a visual aid about holiness. See, this is not a story about hygiene. This is a picture of God's love cleansing us from the inside out. And we desperately need Jesus to wash us, not from the outside in, but rather from the inside out. God's holiness is not a work of our flesh. It is a work of his grace. Jesus says, I must wash you so that you can have part of me. And what's powerful is that once Jesus washes the disciples' feet, Literally what he's showing them is, hey, 
I'm loving you to the point that I'm going to serve you. I'm going to pursue you. And what's so powerful about Jesus is that he never asks us to do what he is unwilling to do. Because once he washes our feet, he then challenges us now that we've been cleansed by him, comforted by him, changed by him, that we would go out and we would serve others for him. So I wanna ask you a question today. What are you washing? Because true love never quits pursuing and love serves, love serves. I wanna give you two basic thoughts that I want you to write down today because Jesus is serving in a practical way of washing their feet. In a moment, he's gonna, he's gonna serve in the most spiritual way, which is the cross. But before he even gets to the cross, the last lesson to show the full extent of his love is he washes the disciples' feet. Two things I want you to, be, to remember today. Number one, if serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. There's just no getting away from this truth. If serving is below you, leadership is beyond you. It was Martin Luther King who said, anyone can be great because anyone can serve. There's that beautiful story in the New Testament where the disciples are arguing. They're trying to figure out who's the best, who's the greatest among us. Like who's getting to sit right next to Jesus? Jesus hears the whole entire conversation. Doesn't stop them, lets them keep talking. Finally, they come to Jesus and they're like, yo, Who's the greatest? And Jesus gives them a beautiful picture. He says, whoever's willing to be last will be first and whoever's first will be last. What's he saying? He's saying, if you wanna be great, being great is not a wrong desire, but being great for all the wrong reasons is. And if you wanna be great, you can be great, but the path to greatness is service. It's service. There's room at the bottom. You're not gonna rub shoulders at the bottom. Choose the path of service. And I even think right now in this challenge that we find ourselves in, in our, in our world, it's so easy to become so self-focused, but we must remember that we are Christians and we're called to be others-focused. We must look for ways even right now to serve people. Why? Because we're Christians. And Jesus served us by washing our feet and cleansing our soul, but now we've been commissioned to go and do the same. Jesus said, go out into all the world, preach the gospel and make disciples. It's called the great commission, not the great suggestion. Jesus expects that you and I are serving. It was Jesus himself who said, I didn't come to be served, but rather I came to serve. It wasn't lip service for Jesus. Instead, he said, you know what? Let me communicate to every one of you. I don't want this to get lost in translation. I don't want this to get lost in language. You might be interpreting this from the Greek. You know what? Forget the Greek for a moment. Let me get down on my hands and knees and actually show you what I'm talking about. This is what love looks like. Love looks like this. I'm gonna take the posture of the servant. I'm gonna get down on my hands and knees and I'm gonna wash their feet. I'm gonna wash my followers' feet. Why? Because if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. And if you're gonna lead like anyone, why not choose to lead like Jesus? Father, mother, school teacher, lawyer, CEO. I don't know who you are, small business owner. I believe that if you're gonna lead like anyone, lead like Jesus, love serves.
He's wanting to convey that he is a servant. And so he takes the place of the servant and he washes the disciples' stinky feet. Why? Because leadership was not beyond him because he chose the path of service. But the second truth that I want you to see today, because we're asking this question, what are you washing? Second question that I wanna ask you today is simply this. Second thing I wanna say today is simply this. Life is not measured in its duration, but in its donation. Life is not measured in its duration, it's measured in its donation. This is so powerful. Because once again, we don't know how many years we get. I know for me during this time, think about this virus, I've had some very sobering thoughts. I've had to actually think about some things. I've had to think about people that I might lose. I've had to think about what would it look like if I lost my life or if my children lost their life or my friends. I've had to think a whole lot about death during this time. But I am reminded of this powerful truth that life is not measured in how long I live, but rather in how well I live it. So many of us are focused on living our entire life to simply make an income. Friend, you don't need to make an income. You need to make an impact. And the only way you make an impact is by serving other people. People are gonna forget what you said. People are gonna forget uh, your your great words, your great illustrations. People are gonna forget all the, the great things that you gave them, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And the way that we make them feel loved is by pursuing them through the acts of service. Jesus, yo, he only lived 33 years. He is on his way to the cross. He is going to hell and back, yo. But somehow this man who only lived 33 years, that's shorter than the time I've been on this earth. He left the greatest impact ever because he understood that his life was a vessel of service, that he was called to not just wash his disciples' feet, but to wash the world's feet. He was called to be a person that would lay his life down. And because of it, thousands of years later, we're talking about it. In fact, today I'm gathered in a studio coming to you by way of broadcast, shouting to you about his life, his short 33 years. Why? Because he donated his entire life. So many of us, we get so afraid about how many years we're gonna have on this earth. We should be more concerned about what we're leaving on this earth. Love serves. What are you washing? Jesus, in his most crucial hours, Jesus on his way to his greatest challenge, the cross. Last week, we saw that he stopped to give thanks. And now this week, we see that he gives a visual aid. He doesn't want a translator. He wants to show them with his actions what service looks like, that I would get low and I would wash the dirty area of your life. Believe he's given us a picture of what we're called to do. What are you washing? You see, Jesus goes from this upper room experience where this man who they didn't know had prepared a meal. We learned about it last week. And they go out singing to him and they go to a garden known as the Garden of Gethsemane. There in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus, after he just got done serving his disciples, he asked them now to pray with him. They fall asleep while he's praying. 
See, that's what I always find amazing is that you're not called to serve people that are gonna thank you. You're not called to serve people that are gonna remember you. You're not, gonna call, you're not called to serve people that are gonna serve you back. You're just called to serve. Jesus had just finished serving them and now he's made a request. Can you pray with me? It's his hardest moment. It's his hardest hour. And they've all fallen asleep. And there he has just his time with the father. And he says, father, if it's at all possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but your will. Not my will, but your will. God, we want your will for Vu Church in this season. God, give us your will in this crisis. We want your will. Jesus chooses to go to the cross. Judas comes, he's betrayed. He's captured by the Roman army. And then Jesus is brought before Pilate in a trial. It is now most likely early Friday morning. I told you we'd get to Friday, those of you that are really into the chronological order of this collection. And I wanna draw your attention to a passage. Matthew chapter 27, verse 22. Pilate stands before the crowd and he says this. He says, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked, they all answered, crucify him, crucify him. It's Palm Sunday. Just about five days ago, this same crowd was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But now Friday's come and life has shaken them. When I preached that message a few weeks ago, we didn't know we were gonna be so shaken by the coronavirus, but now we've been shaken. The question is, do we have faith that stirs us or do we fall to a life that's shaking us? This group of people, they're now shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And I love Pilate, he says, but why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate, but they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. They shouted back, his blood is on us and our children. I suppose I've been challenged this week as I've been studying this passage because here we have a major contrast. We see Jesus, the greatest leader in the world, no title, no real position. And he chooses to wash the disciples' feet. He serves them, he loves them. But on the other hand, Jesus, who's been falsely accused, committed no crime whatsoever, in fact, was perfect, was spotless, is now standing before a man known as Pilate who has a title, who has a position, who is a so-called leader. And when it comes time for Pilate's great moment, Pilate, he doesn't choose responsibility. Instead, he chooses apathy. And the scripture says that he washes his hands. In his gesture that would be remembered throughout history, what he would say is, hey, just remember, I had no part in this. I sat back on the sideline. This is on you. This is your problem. Very, very different. Jesus washes his feet. Pilate washes his hands. You know, during this COVID-19 pandemic, we've all been washing our hands, hopefully more than ever. We've got antibacterial in my house. We've got all sorts of different hand soap. We're singing happy birthday. I'm singing worship songs. 20 seconds, folks, 20 seconds. I think it's good that we make sure that we remain safe and clean. Of course, that's our recommendation. But I wonder, are you washing feet or are you only washing your hands? 
Because what a great tragedy that we would miss our opportunity in the midst of the crisis, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of what feels like hell on earth, that we would relieve ourselves of the responsibility to wash feet, to wash the broken, to serve those that are far from God, to serve those that are in worse off positions than us. I hope our church's response in this great trial on this Palm Sunday doesn't look like Pilate where we wash our hands and say, you know what, it's not on me. I hope our response is like Jesus, that we get down in the muck, in the mire, that we get in the trenches and we would wash people's feet recognizing that we are called to lead. Whether you know it or not, this has been our story. Whether you know it or not, this is not our first great challenge. Whether you know it or not, the Christian church for 2000 years has been washing feet, has been serving because we love. It's a Christian mandate. It's written on our hearts. It changes us from the inside out. We already know what our cue is in a pandemic. It's not that we're called to run and hide. It's that we're called to protect and serve others. How can we serve others? I'm so grateful and proud of our church. You've been finding opportunities to serve. You've been actually out in the streets bringing food. You've been encouraging each other through through, through technology, you've been text messaging each other, you've been looking out for each other's needs and we must continue to do so. For our story of the Christian church has never been one of Pilate washing our hands, crucify him, but rather it's always been to model what Jesus did, which is in his most challenging hours, hours before his own very death, he got down on his knees and washed feet. You know, I can, go, I can take you all the way back through history. In the second century, there was plagues that happened in the Roman empire. This was during a time that the Christian church was being persecuted. But the first plague was the plague of Antonine that took place. And in that plague, Christians were known because they were going to those people and they were serving people. They were praying for people. They were helping people. And would you believe it that a quarter of the Roman empire died during that plague? but Christianity became contagious and became attractive. Who are these radical people that while everybody else is afraid and running, that they continue to serve? The plague of Cyprus was another plague that became very, very famous where there was a famous bishop who challenged Christians to say, don't mourn for those that have lost their life. If they were in Christ, they're in heaven, but rather take all of that emotion and focus it on people who are suffering right now here on earth and give them Jesus by serving them physically. You can go a century later, there was a pagan emperor known as Julian who complained bitterly of how the Galileans, the Christians would care for even non-Christian sick people. Why? Because they weren't serving people to be thanked by people. They were serving people because they were modeling Jesus. What are you washing? Please wash your hands. Please make sure that your hygiene is good. Please make sure that you're safe, but do not wash your hands in apathy. Wash people's feet out of responsibility. You can go to all the way back to the 1500s when Martin Luther, the great Christian reformer, the leader of the Protestant church, they were facing the bubonic plague, maybe the greatest plague that ever sweeped the globe. And they came to Martin Luther, one of my favorite Christian writers, man that I'm so inspired by. They said, Martin, you've got to leave. This plague is coming. You can't be here. 
and Martin Luther refused to leave during the plague. He said, I cannot do it. I cannot leave God's people in this time. Would you believe it? Because he didn't leave, his daughter Elizabeth, she got the plague and she died. Yet out of that, Martin Luther, he wrote a Christian tract and it began to spread all around. And the tract was simply this, whether Christians should flee the plague. And Martin Luther gave through clear articulation, the Christian epidemic response. He said, we die at our posts. Christian doctors cannot abandon their hospitals. Christian governors cannot flee their districts. Christian pastors cannot abandon their congregations. The plague does not dissolve our duties. It turns them to crosses on which we must be prepared to die. Oh, friends, sacrifice is the calling of every Christian. It's not for some Christians or for one Christian. It is the call to follow Christ that we would sacrifice and serve. And I'm just telling you, for Christians, it is better that we should die serving our neighbor than be surrounded in a pile of masks that we never got to use. No, in our greatest hours, in our most challenging hours, we choose the path of Jesus and we serve. Jesus, he was falsely accused Friday. They put him on a cross, nails in his hands, nails in his feet. I'm gonna talk about it more next week. But there he declared, it is finished. It looked like the greatest defeat ever. But little did everybody know it was humanity's greatest victory. See, Jesus Christ, he decided that leadership, it's not beyond me. The reason why it's not beyond me is because service, it's not beneath me. He washes their feet practically, but then he goes and he lays down his life on a cross spiritually. He was always serving. He is the greatest servant leader we have ever witnessed. And greater love has no one than when someone would lay down their life. Jesus did the greatest act of service in dying on the cross. And there Jesus, just 33 years of age, he decided to remind all of us that our greatest impact is not in the duration of our life, but rather the donation of our life. He gave his life so that you and I could have life and life more abundantly. And today I come to you on this Palm Sunday, on this day that we remember Jesus coming in and what appeared to be a burden was actually a blessing. We think that Jesus, he, he turned the tables. He's been turning tables. He taught us the gratitude effect. But now here he is, I believe on this day, asking all of us, especially in this time, in this season of our world, right here in our city of Miami, what are you washing? Are you washing feet or are you only washing your hands? I wanna challenge this church. Let's serve. True love never quits pursuing. True love never stops serving. God is with you and you're gonna get through this. 
I love you so much. God bless. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.